Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 21. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Today's episode is a discussion that I recently had with my co-hosts, James Sumners and Sam Dominguez. Today's episode is entitled, Disagreeing About Baptism and Other Issues. The Crosstalk Podcast is not a sermon, a Bible class, or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope will inspire you to have similar conversations with people in your life. And now, let's jump right into that conversation. I always thought that infant baptism, that everybody who practiced infant baptism did so from a position of to remit original sin, that babies were born with original sin, and so they were sprinkled at birth or shortly thereafter in order to receive forgiveness of the sin that they inherited from Adam, from their parents. And uh, and I, I just assumed, and, and that was my my faulty assumption that that's what not only the Catholics believed, which it is what Catholics believe, but uh, also what Protestants believe who uh, practice infant baptism. And and that's not the case. So Protestants who practice infant baptism, at least a lot of them, and because the the guy that I debated was is not unique in his position. And I found this out actually before the debate when I wrote an article on infant baptism, which is the reason why I got invited to do this radio show. Um, but, but I wrote this article on it and I, I took that, that position that I assumed was the position of everybody or most people that practice infant baptism. And I got several emails from people that said, well, that's a straw man argument because that's not what we believe. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, And so I read this guy's book about infant baptism and his position is, so I'll just tell you what his position is and and then we can talk about why it's not biblical. But uh, his position is that that baptism is is circumcision, that it is a one-to-one equivalent to circumcision, that basically... The, the big premise is that there really is only one covenant, that, that there is God has one people, and that it became more inclusive as a, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It became more inclusive, and it was opened up to all nations. And, uh, and so basically, baptism replaced circumcision as the sign of the covenant, as the sign that you are my people. So the outward sign, quote-unquote, I'm doing the quotes with my fingers that people can't see, but uh, the quote-unquote sign of the covenant or the outward sign of the inward change, uh, as a lot of people say, um, is baptism— and it used to be circumcision. And so that's his position, that you wouldn't stop um, a Jewish parent from circumcising their child, because that was the law, and so you shouldn't stop a Christian parent from baptizing their child, uh, because the the new covenant people should be more inclusive than the old covenant people were. Uh, and, and I use those terms, new covenant, old covenant, even though I'm not really sure his logic on new covenant, old covenant is kind of fuzzy because he seems to believe that there is only one covenant, that there isn't two covenants. Um, but anyway, so that's the, that's the position on, on infant baptism from a Protestant perspective. You know, I, I find that very interesting, not, not necessarily, um, just the concept of, of people misunderstanding baptism and, and the phenomenon of people wanting to baptize infants. But, uh, in the sense of how we misunderstand the differences between new covenant and old covenant, we, we how we will sometimes conflate the two, how we will contrast the two, how how we seem to understand that certain things are analogous to things in the uh, in the New Testament or, or analogous to things under the old covenant, that certain things are replacements of it. 
or we mistakenly think it's it's a one-to-one parallel. Uh, certain things are completely done away with and have no comparison in the new covenant. Yet there, there's just I think there's a lot of misunderstanding even outside of the concept of baptism and infant baptism, uh, or even just entering into the covenant with where those parallels exist, where they don't exist. Uh, you know what got left behind and and what is what still remains. And I think, yeah, I think that I think that that is where a lot of the misunderstanding with so many things in denominationalism, I think that's where the the misunderstanding lies, and not just in denominationalism uh, amongst amongst all of us. I think that that understanding how to rightly divide the word is is where we we fall down sometimes. And so, like with this in this particular case, uh, as far as um, the the baptism thing goes, and the the two covenants. Go. I think that the best way to understand it is how Hebrews puts it over and over again, is that it's a shadow. The Old Testament is a shadow of, of the things to come. And so in the Old Covenant, there was a sign, a, a seal, that the people belonged to God, and that was circumcision. And so there was this physical, carnal seal, again, very carnal. Uh, it was very fleshly, I mean, very much a part of the flesh. And so uh, that was the seal that these people belonged to God. In the New Covenant, People want to make that baptism, and it, it never is called baptism. That's never called a seal or a sign. The the new the new seal is a spiritual seal. It is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is our seal. And so that is how the New Covenant, Old Covenant seems to work, is that God had this, this covenant, this agreement, this contract that he made with this group of people, and he said, you're going to be my people. Here's the law. Here are all of these ceremonies, and here are all of these things. And they all were representative. They were they were shadows of spiritual realities. So I mean, I think you know, there's so many things that are spelled out for us. You know, the 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 temple, and then God goes from having a temple, which was never really His idea in the first place, but to the people being the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. And so, so many of those things are go from a physical reality to a or a physical representation rather a physical shadow to the spiritual reality and so that's where i think they're getting confused on the baptism issue is that they think that the that baptism is the seal of the covenant and it's not the holy spirit is the seal of the covenant baptism is not the sign baptism is more like, if you want to look at the Old Testament shadow, it's more like the people of Israel coming through coming through the Red Sea or coming through the Jordan River. And, and that's what, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that they were baptized into Moses. And so it is a baptism. In fact, the way the New Testament almost always puts it is that baptism is a burial. And it's almost like you've got this entire nation of slaves, and they all die and are buried in the sea, and then they're resurrected, a nation of free men, and then God seals them with circumcision to say, these are my free people. These are my people. And so that's that's the analogy. When we're baptized, we pass through the sea and we come into the promised land. We come into the kingdom of God and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit to say, we're God's people. I mean, that's just how it works. And our circumcision then is a circumcision of the heart. Right. And and the the thing that, you know, if if we're looking for an outward display of our of our inner in our inner freedom, our inner spiritual wholeness, what is that? Well, what is the fruit of the Spirit? That's, That's exactly the external. Right. The fruit of the Spirit is the external appearance of our holiness. If if we need to comprehend that someone, if if we're going to show that we're saved, we 
we live saved. Mm. If we're going to act like the holy people of, if we're going to be the holy people of God, we have to act like it. So that why? So that we can be that city on a hill that can, that will not be hidden so that we will be seen by people to glorify his name, not to, not to build ourselves up, not to say, Hey, I'm the holy one of God, but no, God glorifies himself through me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems so odd that we, uh, that baptism is even such a struggle for so many people because it's it's unique because baptism itself the baptism of going through the sea and being baptized into Moses all the way through to new testament baptism for the forgiveness of sins is an act of trust mm-hmm. you are placing your trust in god to save you and that act of trust is a necessity for your actual salvation. If, and if you don't follow through on that act of trust, you won't be saved. And our struggle with it, our struggle with everything about baptism, about, you know, well, is it absolutely necessary? Well, are you saved before or right after? Or should it be little kids? Should it only be all, all of these different questions that people have in the end boil down to a, I don't want to have to carry out this act of trust. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to approach God in my own way. I want to have some element of leeway. And just the fact that we're struggling with that, the fact that we we say, yeah, I, I know what the Scripture says. I know that there's all this evidence. I know that there's all this example. But I want to try and convolute this thing. Be Why? Because I don't want to take that act of trust, that step of faith, doesn't that reveal your nature? Doesn't that reveal your heart? You know, it, it be, when they were baptized into Moses crossing through the sea, that was an act of trust. Why? Because they they had no no way of uh, it wasn't by their own power that the water was not going to drown them. Mm-hmm. But it was an act of trust. But they had to cross. They couldn't have said, "Well, I can see that the Lord has the power to save me." And so rather than crossing through the miraculously parted water, I'm just going to stay on this side where the Egyptians are. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You wouldn't have made it if you'd stayed on that side of the water. You had to cross through in trust. But why, why is it that we want to simultaneously acknowledge God's power to save and also say, but I don't want to take this act of trust? Yeah, I, I, I don't know why we... You know, it, it's, it always reminds me of, uh, of a child that I always like to, to use as an analogy, you know, a dad that's in the swimming pool and putting his arms out to his son and saying, jump into my arms, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And, and he, it, the child is scared, you know, and trying to find this other way. Well, can I come down the ladder? Can I go this way? Well, what if I just sit down and I scoot to you, dad? You know, it's like, just stop and just jump and trust. And, and there's, there's two sides of the baptism problem. One are those, both with infant baptism and even with those that, that immerse, and I say infant baptism, obviously it's not a baptism, it's not an immersion, but, um, but, but both with those that sprinkle a baby and those that, that immerse an adult, sometimes they're just trusting in the, the ceremony itself, and that's a problem too. I mean, and so you've got on the one hand, those that are trusting in a, in a ceremony just for the ceremony's sake, like the water is something special that's going to take away their sin, and then on the other hand, you've got people that want to take the meaning out of the, out of the ceremony itself, and, and it's, 
it's it's neither of those two things. It it's it's a combination of both. Rather, it it is going down to the water. Why? Because I trust God. Because I'm communicating to God. I want a clean conscience. That's what Peter says. Uh, it's communicating to God. I want to be clothed with Christ. That's what Paul says in Galatians. It's communicating to God. I want my sins washed away. That's what Ananias says to Saul. So I mean. It, it, is, it is this act of trust that says, I believe Jesus died for me and I want my sins washed away. And, and just like, like you said, I mean, it's like walking through the Red Sea. It's, I, I trust that those walls of water are going to stay up and that I'm going to be saved and delivered on the other side. So I'm going to pass through the water out of my trust, not in the ceremony of walking through the water, but in the ceremony of trusting God. That's what it's all about. You know, it's the best Old Testament example of, of this very thing. I mean, if I say that, you you automatically think of Naaman. Naaman. <laughs> what a I mean, he comes expecting some great thing, more or less. Like, okay, he's gonna rub his hand on. He's gonna he's gonna do little a little uh, voodoo magic kind of thing or something. Something fantastical. Something amazing. Something glorious is gonna happen. Instead, he says, ah, just go down and dip in the muddy water and seven times, and you'll be and you'll be clean. Well, that's what we're like. We're just like him. So I, I don't really, why? I mean, and we have clean water, you know, many times we have clean water and we think, well, I mean, pe- people think, why would I do that? Or why do I need to do that? Well, it's just like talking about our kids. I mean, we're justifying like children do with their parents and say, well, but really dad, can you really, it's like, look, I'm here. I love you. I care about you. Do the one thing I've told you to do the simplest thing that I've told you to do and let me do it for you. Let me take care of you. I will save you in in this sense. We're being buried. And like, like we've said before, I think it's, it's something that's done to us really more than, more than we do anything. We are, we are taken and, and baptized. We don't baptize ourselves. If, if, if that were it, we would just jump in the water and then jump back out and that, that would be it. But, but that's not how, that's not how it's done. We are baptized by, by another believer. And, but like Naaman, we, we so many times just want to say, well, that's just not amazing enough. That's not, that's not spectacular enough. That's not, that's not, or, or they claim, religious enough, or or they claim the opposite that it's that it's too ritualistic and it's too yeah you know, it's it, it's always we can't it's make always, up our minds tr- yeah trying to have both sides of the argument where it's like well well you guys just believe too much in the water and we we recognize that it's not important but it's still a good thing and it but it, it doesn't save you but it's good to you know and, and we, we tie ourselves in these rhetorical knots. In the end, just trying to justify the fact that we don't want to just take God as, at his word. Mm-hmm. And what we want is to still have some controlling agency in our salvation. Rather than recognizing that the only controlling agency we have is to submit entirely to God, to simply take him at his word, to, to do like the servant girl said to Naaman, just do what he told you to do. Mm. Why, why worry yourself in all these other things? But it, it's it's so easy to sit back and to look at people who, who have these struggles, who have these misunderstandings, who, who have tied themselves in rhetorical knots, and just be like, <laughs> look at these people. Why can't they just look at the word and, and not, not sympathize and empathize with the spiritual struggles that they're having? Because this is a specific and, and peculiar example of how we – 
struggle with submitting to God, Mm -hmm. with just turning things over and simply doing what he asks us to do. Now, it happens to be one that is tied specifically to the keys to the kingdom, entrance to the kingdom. So it's very important. So it's a very important struggle. But it, in the terms of the nature of the spiritual struggle, it's no different mm-hmm. than when I want to create all kinds of justifications and tie myself mm-hmm. in rhetorical knots to justify not being loving to my neighbor or any number of other things where I don't want to simply do what God has asked me to do. And so that's why I appreciated when, when I listened to you uh, on the radio d- discussing this topic that both of you were approaching it in a very loving manner. It was just a discussion. And it's so important that we recognize and empathize with people's confusion, that we recognize, listen, this is the same type mm-hmm. of thing that leads me to this problem. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is the same type of thing that leads me to this mistake that I have made. Let's both come together. Let's make sure that we do away with all of these things to make sure that we can come to the truth. And in this particular example, it's a very important truth. Mm-hmm. And it would be easy to say, well, this is just one of those matters of opinion that we don't have to care about. Well, it's it's not. Right. And we need to care very deeply about it. But we need to care about it from the perspective of let's ensure that we do away with all the impediments that are holding us back to submission mm-hmm. to God. You know, I and I, I when I listen to like a denominational preacher and and I'm I'm struck and in awe of his brilliance or his command of scripture, his knowledge, his comprehension, whatever the case may be, and and that happens a lot, you know. And I and I'll I'll listen to a preacher and I'll think, wow, that's that's amazing. But he doesn't understand baptism. Why? That just seems so simple to me. Uh, he he understands all of these things better than I do. How could he not understand baptism? And then that makes me think what am I missing that's mm-hmm. so painfully obvious that other people are looking at me and saying, Wes, you get this, but you don't get that? It's so simple. Just read what it says and apply it. And and sometimes it takes, I mean, we've all been there, I think. We've all been there where we've we've looked at Scripture a thousand times, we've read it, and we've we've kind of gotten our idea about it and kind of our way to interpret it so that it doesn't really cost us anything. So we really don't have to sacrifice anything. So we really don't have to submit. We, well, that just doesn't really apply to me or, you know, whatever it is. And then somebody kind of comes along and wakes us up and shines a light on it and says, oh, and we, we realize, oh, yeah, I'm I'm truly being disobedient to the Lord. And and so we do. We have to to look at Scripture and say, what does this mean? How does it apply? And then, and then apply it to our life. You know, it's like in your sermon this morning about Jonah. It's, it, it, you have Jonah, and he's, I knew that you were merciful, abounding in love, forgiving, you know, and all, all this stuff, but I don't want you to be mm-hmm. forgiving of them. And, you know, and it's like, how do you, how can you expect that you are right with God, even though you share his message, and yet your heart is so hard that no one, in your opinion, except for the people who share your genetic makeup, mm-hmm. can get into the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And and it's like you know so much about God. You have him talk to you, and yet you don't comprehend the vastness of his love. Really, you thought it was confined, but it's not. He's the, You understand that he's the creator of the universe, the creator of all things that exist, and yet you still 
confine his love to you. It's it's the fact that we can know about God, but not know him. Mm-hmm. You know, we can know all these facts about God, but then in the end it's like, but do you really know me? Well, you know, it's it's... I've said before that the difficulty is not knowing God's will. The difficulty is applying God's mm-hmm. will. That's, that's always the more difficult of the two. And that's not to say that there aren't certain aspects of God's will or understanding God's will for us that are not difficult, that don't require the effort put forth to have a proper understanding. But the application is always going to be the more difficult aspect of it because it's it you, know, you can you can come to an understanding and then hold on to that understanding for the rest of your life, but you could still daily struggle with whether you're going to apply it properly, and and it's easy then to to slip into kind of a moral relativism argument to say well you see you know, that that's something that they struggle with and that's something that these guys struggle with and this is what I struggle with and what you struggle with and we're all the same because we all just have these struggles and and we're not we're not correct to try and make the things we're having problems with whether it be baptism or or, or other things and and make those morally relative because mm-hmm. there are keys to the kingdom there are mm-hmm. very specific things that we need to make sure we are right with God about right and there are other things that there is, you know, debatable matters as we were talking about in our word study the other day. But we we do then need to recognize that we all have these struggles. We all have these issues that we bring to the table and we're all going to have times where even when we understand the truth, we're not applying it the way that we should. Mm-hmm. But if we're not having that love for each other, we're not going to be able to convince each other one way or the other of any of these things. Mm-hmm. And if we adopt just a moral relative and attitude about it, that's not acting in love either. Mm-hmm. Saying that, well, if, if you'll let me get away with what I'm struggling with and I'll ignore you know, and then, then we can all just love each other in that way, that, that's not being loving either. Mm-hmm. But like so many other things and like so many times we've said on this podcast, we have to hold all of these things simultaneously. We have to understand that Yes, that is it is a common spiritual issue that is leading us to these misunderstandings and these and these mistakes. But some of these mistakes have greater consequences than others and we yeah. need to make sure and address those things. Why do we want to address those things? Not to righteous, make ourselves righteous, not to justify ourselves, but because we love our brethren and we don't want to see them lost. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk you know, James you brought up your lesson on Jonah. It's it's easy to look at ourselves and say yeah, I, I struggle with being like Jonah in which I have this this other, this nation of Nineveh, these people that I hate and I don't want God's uh, uh, mercy extended to them. And then to see ourselves in these kind of discussions and, and realize, yeah, and sometimes I act like Jonah about people who are a lot closer to me. They're not my enemy, mm-hmm. but we just have these issues that we need to discuss and we need to be able to do so in a loving way without succumbing to that easy escape of just saying, well, but it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and here's an, an example of that. Um, I, I hate to be so specific, but but I think, it, I think it's telling, and, um, you know, if it offends somebody, it offends somebody. But, um, but there was, recently, there was a, uh, a meeting of institutional, as they call it, I hate those factional type of names, but institutional churches of Christ and non-institutional churches of Christ came together. Um, for those that don't understand the difference, as I understand it, it's those that, that agree with supporting institutions out of the out of the funds, the, the church's funds, like children's homes or that, that kind of thing, um, orphanages. Um, 
out of the church's funds and those that disagree with that and say we shouldn't do that. Um, and they recently had kind of a, a come-together type of a meeting uh, to discuss trying to to bridge that gap and trying to you know bring groups together and i thought that's phenomenal and i was reading the comments um from from some non-institutional brethren and many of them were very very excited about this move in the right direction and and i thought you know that that's so encouraging and many of them i know and love and 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 very very good brethren and uh, but one person said well we could all come together if they meaning us uh would just repent you know and and that was his attitude was we don't need to be having any types of meetings we don't need to be getting together at all and discussing these things you people just need to repent um otherwise i guess you know his assumption is that we'll just go to hell um and and so it is somebody right and somebody wrong yeah i guess so i mean it can't be both ways i mean either we're right and that it's okay or they're right and it's not okay um in that case we need to figure out which it is we need to discuss it we need to we need to actually uh discuss these things it's not okay just to walk away from each other and just say you do what you want to do i'll do what i want to do but we've got to do so in love and and understand that that those are those types of matters that we're not talking about baptism i mean that that's baptism is one of those things that it's like Okay, if you're if you are immersed in order to come into the kingdom of God and be forgiven of your sins, I mean, then you're my brother, you know. But if you're not willing to submit to that, that's how you get into the kingdom. So we can't we can't be family until you're willing to submit to that. But some of these other things, like children's homes or not children's homes, it is an important issue and it needs to be discussed and we need to talk about it. But we can do so as brethren and we can we can love each other. And this attitude of you know you just need to to come to my understanding or else I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. Well, and even, even with a matter like baptism where we can say, you know, we aren't brethren, right? We're not both in the kingdom because of this difference in our understanding. But does that mean that we then choose to, and I'm never going to speak about baptism with you again, or is it, and so let's continue. Let's continue to speak. And, and we, we can approach things from the understanding of, yes, I believe you are outside of the kingdom, mm-hmm. and I believe that I am inside of the kingdom, but I love you, and I want to continue to talk about this and mm-hmm. try and teach you. It's, it's so funny that sometimes when we, when we approach people who are unbelievers, and so they, they would gladly admit, yes, I'm outside of the kingdom because I don't believe in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, that person, we need to continue to talk to that person about baptism. And then we turn to someone else who says, well, I believe that I am in the kingdom, and I believe I got there differently from what you believe. And we say, well, then I can't talk to you anymore about this. Mm-hmm. Be- because I don't want anyone to, in a matter of confusion, mistake me for thinking that I accept you as a brother. And so I'm just not, you know, and it's it's just so, we're so afraid. <laughs> it's, it's like we're afraid of what everyone else is going to think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid that this guy over here that I don't know might mistakenly think that I accept you as a brother uh, because of this confusion, and so I need to have distance between you and I, and if we're going to talk about it, it has to be in a public debate scenario to where I'm not trying to convince you, I'm trying to convince the other guy Mm -hmm. who's listening, It's, it's we take such a secular, carnal approach to all of these matters, and, and we we think that if we discuss it, then I have to I have to come across very condemnatory because if I don't, then then somebody might get confused that that we think we're brethren. And it's like, why why do you have to why do you have to talk that way to people? Why can't you? I mean, 
these people, and we're talking about millions of people who honestly, sincerely have a love for God. Do I think that they're sincerely wrong? Absolutely. Do I think that they need to be, like Apollos was, taken aside and taught the way more accurately? Or the disciples in Ephesus who needed to be baptized, who weren't baptized into Christ? I, I think that those are perfect examples of what needs to happen here. Um, but but they talk to them lovingly and kindly, not in a condemnatory fashion, and not from the assumption, well, if you really loved God, you would understand things like I do. I mean, why do we, why do we have to talk to people like that? Um, this guy that I debated on the radio i think he's absolutely wrong but but i'm i'm i know for a fact that he is very sincere he's very kind and loving and i I know that he loves god um and so i i don't i don't think that i should talk to him talk down to him any more than than paul would have talked down to the the pagans in athens who said look i I see you're very religious people You, you have a love for god in fact you 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 love this unknown god let me talk to you about him why can't we talk to denominational friends that way we, we like to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but sometimes we let our, our fruit mold. Mm-hmm. You know, we, <laughs> That's good. We, when, we, when, we, when we talk about things, we want, instead of allowing the fruit of the Spirit to guide, I mean, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If all of that is in us and that's how we live, when we talk to people about God, there's not going to be this attitude of self-righteousness because that's what it comes, that's really what, when people call people self-righteous, it's because they come across saying, well, you're wrong, I'm right, you get on my boat. It's like, no, it's not my boat. I didn't make it. God made it. If, and if it wasn't my, if, if he didn't make it, Noah did. And Noah followed God. So I'm getting on that boat. I mean, the, the point is, is that we can't have an attitude of condemnation because I can't condemn you. God will condemn. I can't judge you. God will judge. If I judge anything, I may judge your actions. I can't judge your heart. I don't know what's I don't know what's inside you. All I can see is your actions. And that's why when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, what is the fruit of the spirit? The fruit of the spirit shows what's in our heart. When Jesus talks to the Pharisees, he talks about um you are of your father the devil. Why? Because they lie. Because they deceive people. Because they, they taught them wrong things that they knew were wrong. They 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 taught from their father the devil. But Jesus spoke from from the, his father, uh, God. And, and if we are to to speak from our father, from our our heavenly father, who we've been adopted by through through faith and through baptism, we will speak with faith, hope, and love. Well, if if. If we are going to claim the mantle of Christ, we have to be doing these things out of love. We have to love other people and desire that they be saved. And that means we have to be willing to have these conversations. We have to be willing to try and convince people of the truth. And we can't be doing these things out of fear, or we can't let fear be what's governing how we handle these these interactions. Because so often when we have these interactions, it's because we're afraid of that one guy out on the internet who's super condemnatory about everything and he's going around with he's checking people off of his own list you know he he's the the christian santa claus and he's marking you good and bad and all that kind of stuff and we're so afraid of his reaction and just the fact that it's going to be troublesome to us that we then let that govern these interactions and we end up being like peter who for fear of the circumcision proceeds into things that he knew were wrong and he had to be corrected out of love by his brother. Why, why would we put ourselves willingly into that position 
instead of being able to say, out of love, I will always be willing to teach people the truth. And so long as they are willing to listen, I will put the truth out there for them to hear. Why? Because I want them to respond in love. A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElgay, who helps make this show possible. If you enjoyed the Crosstalk podcast, please consider sharing it with others and leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day. <laughs>